0: episode 122 hi welcome to my mom's show (laughs) hi there welcome to this episode of the single mother survival guide podcast my name is julia husher and thank you so much for tuning in today to listen to this episode Can you even believe that we're nearly at Christmas? I mean, it's absolutely crazy. My daughter only has one more week of school left. It's absolutely nuts. Anyway, welcome to the show. If this is your first time listening, then I really hope you enjoy this episode. And if you're a regular listener, I'm stoked that you're here. So as you know, I, you know, have been doing these kind of Ask Julia episodes and I got an expert on today to chat with me about this topic. I really feel for this woman that has sent in this question and I just, I'm so proud of her because I just think it is not an easy thing to stand up and say, let's get straight into it. Elizabeth Shaw is the CEO of the New South Wales chapter of Relationships Australia. She is a clinical and counselling psychologist with extensive experience in child protection, drug and alcohol, sexual assault, women's health, disability and general counselling services. She has also taught in master's programs at ACU, UNSW and Newcastle universities in areas including clinical practice and management and professional ethics. And she routinely presents and publishes work in these areas. She is the best of the best and I'm so honoured to have her on the show. Thank you so much for coming, Elizabeth, and welcome.
1: Oh, look, thank you. That's a very uh, generous welcome
0: I'm stoked that you're here. Um, so as you know, Elizabeth, and for you listening, if you are a regular listener, you'll know that I often do these Ask Julia style episodes where I try to offer some advice on a particular single mum issue. And I recently got this really interesting question and I was really proud of this woman for having the courage to come forward with this because I know it must not have been easy for her at all. And I'm also sure that she's probably not the only one who has wondered this. So Elizabeth, I might just start by reading out the question um, and we'll go from there because I really wanted you on the show to get your thoughts and ideas on this as well. Okay, so the question is, hi, Julia. I just wanted to say that I absolutely love your podcast and listening each week. I was wondering if you could do a podcast on single mothers who give up primary custody of their children and the reasons as to why they do it. I know your podcast is all about empowering single mums to thrive and not just survive, but lately I've been massively struggling with my daughter and have often thought about giving up primary custody for many reasons. I haven't found a lot of support in this area or people I can talk to about being able to change my perspective. I'd love to hear your thoughts or expert advice on single mums who have given up primary custody and how they cope now as the secondary parent or mums who've thought about it but changed their minds and whether they have mum guilt or feel that they made the wrong decision. Thank you. I hope to hear back from you. So, as I said, like I really wanted to chat with Elizabeth um, about this and hear her thoughts. And she actually sent some additional information through. But to start with, Elizabeth, what are your initial thoughts about the reasons why someone would want to do that?
1: Um, well... Um Certainly, in the request that you have there, the question, um, which is which is such a a really big um, dilemma and does deserve a lot of thought, so that so your um, your author there sounds like you know she's trying really hard to give this considered opinion and and certainly um, implies that maybe it's about it being just too hard for a range of reasons. and whether that's too hard because of the behaviour right now, whether it is too hard because, you know, the child, in fact, um, can be asking, look, I want to be with the other parent. Um, and, and you could feel like you're holding a boundary for no good reason if the child really prefers to be somewhere else. It also can be that the job you're in or the particular circumstances that you're in at the time just makes being the primary carer too difficult. And you may see your partner as better resourced to, in fact, provide um, for your children. And um So sometimes holding your ground when you actually can see a lot of reasons why you shouldn't and that it may even be in your children's best interest not to, um, you know, there could be many factors um, in that. Um, as as well as things that perhaps are more uh, personally and some might be considering, you know, selfishly motivated. Um, But I think as soon as you are separated, then obviously you have options on the table that you wouldn't have if you were living with your children's um, uh, other parent um, suddenly you know, you might have all sorts of reasons to want to do things a little unconventionally and these are options that do need to be explored.
0: Yes, and I guess it's a little bit controversial because we often think as mums maybe we don't have that option and personally I think it's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves and I mean we don't really question, we don't question it at all if a dad is not the primary carer um, and there wouldn't be probably anybody blinking an eye Um, why do we have this belief that we sort of have to be the primary carer like and how common I mean in your experience have you found that women aren't in fact the primary carer
1: um well it's certainly less common that um that women are not the primary carer and um and I think it is a really interesting question um and and it, it can only really be seen in, in its bigger societal um, context and the fact that, um, you know, if women don't stick to the role that they're supposed to have, which is, um, you know, somehow a, a devoted uh, um Primary parent, then they are um, inviting criticism very quickly. And, you know, we know this in all sorts of areas, like even in the judicial system, when women commit a crime, the punishments tend to be harsher, women are more strongly judged. Um, There's a nurturer, caregiver, well behaved society member that is doing the job they're supposed to be doing, which is caring for all family members, not just children, but elderly parents. Um, and, and in fact, forsaking career for that, that you would think in 2018 is not what we should be thinking. But um, the woman who stands up to this is is a brave woman indeed. Um, But, you know, equally, uh, you can look at it in terms of um, single dads who, you know, who may, in fact, be... Um, trying hard to be the good home parent, or even where couples are still together, heterosexual couples are still together, and um, there's a home dad and a working mum, the home dad can feel very isolated and out on a limb and not welcome in the current um, social arrangements. And the woman who chooses to go back to work and not be the primary carer, you know, we see judgment in all sorts of places, which tells us for both genders that Um, when it comes down to individual family circumstances, we really haven't made many advances and it's almost like you have to be seen as a woman to be, you know, not having much of a maternal instinct if you choose other options. And yet, Mm -hmm. realistically, certainly since the family law changes relatively recently, where um, judges are starting from a position of um, equal shared care, um, we still see arrangements that are, you know, less equal. And where they're not equal, they tend to be in favour of the woman having the lion's share of the care. And it's true enough that, um, you know, women largely do want that and are set up to be the primary carer, often have the history of being the primary carer. So the, the moment where a woman says, maybe if, if, if my arrangements have changed and my circumstances are different, maybe I do want to discuss equal care or even the balance being the other way, you know, this is very, this is very controversial still.
0: Yeah, you actually bring up a good point because, I mean, um, maybe the way that this lady is seeing it is that, it has to be one way or the other where maybe there is an in-between, like equal equal care or, I mean, I don't know her situation and maybe her ex-partner is far away or I don't know. Um, well, and they're often the factors that tip it over. And,
1: look, the reality is that there's a philosophical position which is about, uh, if you look at it from the child's perspective, the really, the the importance that a child has a strong relationship with both parents i mean that that's the philosophy um, and that's that's absolutely valid then you throw into the mix circumstances, as you just mentioned, such as geography, such as availability. Um, When you've separated a household, you often have very different financial arrangements. Um, It may be that uh, for some women who've been at home in a primary carer role, their return to work might involve upgrading their qualifications. They may temporarily be needing to work doubly hard to just get to a you know, an equal financial position or even somewhere close to that. So there's lots of um, there's lots of factors in the mix. Um, but you also, of course, have to take into account the effect on the child because um, doing week on, week off um, can work for some families, but for some kids that's, you know, that's also pretty hard going, being in two different houses. So if you're not far away and so it's quite easy to go to school from either location that that may be doable um, but I think what we see is that um, some children don't cope well with that level of change others adapt to it absolutely fine so you've got to take your children into account too
0: yeah so there's no kind of um you know rule book I guess because it is so dependent on everybody
1: it is. It, well um, and, and really the biggest factor is whether the parents are getting on well because um Uh, because whatever parents agree, if they feel really pretty settled and sorted in their agreement, then the children are more likely to fit in. I think children, uh, yes, there's a temperamental issue, which is they some just don't handle too much disruption, but a lot of it is led by whether the parents are coping, whether they agree with the arrangements, whether they lead with confidence and acceptance or not.
0: Yeah, and I guess ideally she would be able to have this conversation with her ex-partner as well and get his thoughts on it because I mean I don't know for for a lot of women I don't think that's even an option I know for me if I brought that up with my ex um you know it might be used against me in court (laughs) if I change you know who knows I like I just think you need to have a good relationship like to be able to talk about that a really kind of good communicative relationship I guess
1: Exactly, exactly right. And and it's also getting into that mindset of genuinely being able to put yourselves aside and your children first and to say, look, you might be better placed to look after the kids at the moment. You know, while they're in primary school, you've got your jobs more flexible, your home more often, they wouldn't have to use so much aftercare at your house versus my house, you've got a bigger house, you know, I'm in the middle of doing a degree, or you know, whatever it is. Um, if you could truly look at it in a pragmatic way, and also where are the children best served, and where can you do your best work as a parent? Um, but not many families are in that in that position. And again, you've got to take the kids into account. I mean, this your your um, a listener um, seems to have raised a behavioural issue. It sort of implies. That it, there's some difficulties with your child, with the child, um, and how that relationship's going. I guess the other thing that it's really important for me to say is that um, when you first separate, you might come up with an arrangement, and then your children kind of fall into that arrangement. If you've been doing it one way and you want to swap to another way, it's really important to think about what message the child gets. So say, I don't know about this caller, so I don't, I don't, just to take it away from her now. Just, just say that you've hit a rocky patch with your parenting, as we all can, and you know you've been fighting more with your child for the last six months. Just say, and there is a part of you that is just overwhelmed, and you think, look, maybe. Maybe I'm hanging in incorrectly. Maybe they should have some time out from me. Maybe they should be with the other parent. A child will uh, inevitably, most commonly, interpret that as something to do with them. Mm. And so, and in fact, if you, in your anger, say, I'm sick of this, you're going to live with your father, um, a child will experience that as rejection, even if a part of their brain also registers the fighting and the unhappiness and so on. Uh, children generally want to uh, be able to be whatever they are and that you will love them and stand by them regardless. So if you use going to the other house as a discipline measure or a, you're not behaving, you can go to your father's and come back when you've got a grip on yourself, that kind of thing, using the other house as punishment or time out, you um, uh, it it could be valid, but it also could go really badly wrong, um, because a, a child will feel rejected and um, and will feel blamed for the conflict, and, and therefore the other house is punishment rather than fostering yeah. um, a great relationship with the co-parent. Um, it's like um, being implying um, the other parent's like a baddie, like it's a well, that's that's yeah. right. And then if the other parent feels badly for the child, and if the child arrives saying you know, I feel bad, I think mum hates me or we've been fighting and I feel punished. If that parent is sympathetic because of the effect on that child's self-esteem, then, you know, the mum might start to say, well, I sent them there for punishment and you're being all very nice to them. You see, again, it sets off a whole chain of events which is not helpful. Um, you can't really call on your ex to um, fix up a problem in your house Um, you you know you can't use them as a big stick in that way because it can go really wrong for you and it can definitely go wrong for your child and in fact your ex might fail you in taking up that role because it's not a role they can actually play effectively Um, so what I would encourage is that if you are having issues in your house the goal would be to fix those up in your house so that you can think straight about okay now we've got a better relationship now in that context would I like to change the arrangements? What's the different punctuation we can have for it? How do I explain it to the child so that they don't feel negatively implicated? And then the thing is that the child is free to move fluidly between the two houses without it being, well, I'm in trouble with mum. Um, and uh, it can just be, no, actually mum and I have worked through our, our issues. We get on really well. I'm just going to go to dad's for a while to try it out or while mum does a period of heavy work or, you know, there's a, there's yeah. a very different um, empowered frame for it and the child doesn't have to have their self-esteem impacted um, in order to do it. So I, I would encourage you not to do it for discipline in most, in most cases.
0: Yeah. Okay. So while we're kind of on that, I'll just, so after I told this person that I did want to do an episode on this, I asked her if she'd be happy to provide any further information. And um, I said to her that it would be helpful to know her personal reasons for wanting to do this and how old her daughter is. And this was her response um hey julia happy to provide any information you need it'd be so great to hear some thoughts as i know it's something i've been struggling with a lot in the last 12 months some of my reasons for wanting to do this include more stability for my daughter as we are always having to move house as i'm on a very low income greater support i don't have a huge support network which makes things really difficult I've been feeling very overwhelmed with my daughter's unpredictable behavior and tantrums. Most of the time she is absolutely fantastic, but her tantrums are beyond what I can feel I can handle. And I seem to end up yelling or crying and locking myself in my room just to be away from the tantrum. I haven't been coping well with changeovers because her father has a new partner and she's quite rude and refuses to talk to me. And he always becomes rude when she comes to changeover too. I've been feeling very anxious and depressed and I don't think it's a good environment for a child to be in as I don't have a lot of positives around me at the moment. Her father earns also earns a lot more than me. I have conflicts about this as well because in many ways I don't think it'd be a good idea to change who has primary custody but I know I haven't been coping well and I'm at a loss at what to do about it or where to seek help or support. Also my daughter is three and a half. Any help would be great. Thank you so much for yeah. applying. So I did. So regarding Elizabeth, the age, you know, and what we were talking about kids, you know, being, can be difficult and the relationship can suffer. And I mean, between two and a half and three and a half is let's be honest, um, a pretty bloody hard age, you know, and I can totally relate to this overwhelm that she's feeling. And, you know, I've myself locked myself in my room and cried in the past when my daughter was having a tantrum, and, um, she talks about the overwhelm in her daughter's unpredictable behaviour and tantrums and says that most of the time she's fantastic but her her tantrums are sort of what she feels more than she can handle. I mean, motherhood is bloody hard sometimes. And, I mean, you know, without obviously knowing her or her daughter, I think what you said about not like maybe, I don't even know, maybe waiting until this age is over because it's really hard it's really hard, and like maybe the age and the behavior of the child just has a lot to do with it. And it's she's unable to kind of think clearly outside this challenge right now.
1: Oh, well, look, you really your heart goes out to her, doesn't it? Um, um no, it does. the poor woman who's um, obviously you know really doing it tough. And it look, it's very hard to just focus on your survival needs, which is just how do I make ends meet how do I get stable accommodation? Um, And and understandably, I think you're right, parenting is incredibly hard, even on a good day. And and when you're struggling to just make ends meet, to have a child um, tantruming, um, you've got very little left to to, um, in any way manage that, let alone feel good about yourself. Um, So um, I I totally um, get that. And um and these are the circumstances where um you know she really might feel that she needs the balance to be the other way and um and for her daughter to be at the other house and there's there should be no shame in that but she she will get judgment but she also has some really good reasons there to say um, you know, I just can't arrange things in a stable enough way. Um, that said, because she, you know, she's entitled to stabilise her life and she obviously feels her her ex has greater capacity and resources to do that. You know, that said, um, you know, as you say, a three and a half year old tantruming is, it, it is common at that developmental stage. In addition Um, If the daughter is picking up the mother's stress and the stress of handovers and so on, a tantrum is also a way to just um, sometimes, I know it's, it's not conscious, it's not planned, it's not deliberate, but the effect of a tantrum can sometimes be to invite parents' engagement, even if it's negative engagement. Um, And if if the daughter does feel like the mother is stressed, distracted and preoccupied and has very little left over, sometimes a tantrum is the best way to get mum's attention. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, um, you know, leaning into the um, relationship um, uh, you know, by probably doing some more positive things can help you get through it. Um, she sounds really isolated. I mean, I, it's, a, it's a very tough set of circumstances. It's also whether um, if the ex has a new partner, just to think about how she would feel if her daughter goes over there and does settle in and does connect to the new partner, that can feel very provocative. It's also potentially very good for the daughter to have two stable households because um, uh, even if it can make you feel jealous, if your partner is is well-partnered, that can sometimes be a great thing for your children. So um, so building that could be useful. Um, so it really is sitting down, I guess, with her ex and saying, you know, what is doable while I... Um, while I get some things sorted but I also um, think for the mother's isolation um, before she makes that decision she could also look at what resources are available for her and an organization like the one I work in at relationships Australia um, this is really common work that we do that we work with people in counseling to help them with their life situation after separation and their parenting concerns and Um, you know there's a lot of organizations that work in this space that could actually back her up and help her and there are uh, women's services that help with stable accommodation some community housing there's um there's many resources and possibly she isn't well connected into services so um so I'd certainly encourage her to reach out and grab anything on offer in that regard
0: yeah I think um so many of those like you know, if we quickly run through the points individually, like the first one, more stability for her daughter, having to move, um, as you say, there may be services out there that can help with that, um, the greater support, um, you know, having I'm sure that she could work on having a really awesome support network, you know, and meeting other single moms and, And in terms of the, I mean, I'm jumping around a bit here, but the, you know, feeling overwhelmed and feeling anxious and depressed, like, you know, some going to speak to someone at like Relationships Australia, like, I mean, you know, maybe it's something that has to, like, how do I word this? Like, maybe it's maybe giving up the child um, is not the answer. Maybe it has to come from within her. Like, maybe, um, maybe it's not going to solve anything. You know, like maybe she's still going to feel anxious and depressed, and um, and then maybe worse because maybe she regrets her decision, or I don't know. But um,
1: well, I, I think there's a few things in that that um, a, feeling anxious and depressed is in many ways a daily routine for parenting. So the wonderful thing about having. A, a group of other mums is that you can share those feelings and feel normal and valid for for you know it's tough work, it's it's tough emotional work. At the same time, I wouldn't want to miss what could be a very a more significant cry for help um, because anxiety and depression are also real mental health conditions. Mm. And so um sometimes we use these words in a commonplace way. So I want to really um, say to your listener that, if she does judge that she's she really is struggling, she is absolutely entitled to um, look after herself. It's very much like, you know, the aeroplane and putting the face mask, the oxygen mask on yourself before you give it to a child. If she really feels like she's struggling, she needs to listen to that. And I think we have to be very careful, and I know you meant this in the best possible way, Julia, but to, to not even go with the language of giving her child up I think we have to say um, does she need to swing the balance of shared care a bit more towards her ex Um, so it may be when she she referred to in her letter handover so she's obviously doing some shared parenting now I think it's about saying um,
0: initially does she need to swing it more the other way and Sorry, I should, I, should have, I didn't complete that sentence. I meant give her up as a as primary carer. <laughs> so I didn't. Yeah,
1: wait. yeah. No, look, I I know you didn't mean it that way, but I think this is the trouble. That this is where uh, women can go to and feel bad. And I think if if she just in her mind says maybe I need a little bit more time because I am doing these other things and get myself a bit sorted, and so just say she's doing the classic thing, which is still the classic thing of her. Um, uh maybe seeing the dad every second weekend because even though that's the 1970s model it's amazing how many people still have that model yes. um, and if um if she's doing something like that she needs to perhaps talk to him and say um, look i I do need um, I do need for a period of time it' Uh, you know it, she may not want to absolutely reverse it the other way, but it it may be a much more 50 50 arrangement and depends where he lives and a whole lot of other factors, but at the same time, having a plan to say whether my child's with me more often or less often, my life's actually not good enough for me. it's not good for me, it's not good for us if you if you don't know where you're going to be living, the poor thing i mean this is um very uncertain time, so Um, So I think linking into a service who can really help her. I mean, certainly at our family relationship centres, and these are scattered all over Sydney and various organisations run them, but they all have family advisors that are there to actually coordinate support for you. Um, So I'd really encourage her to uh, make an appointment at a family relationship centre with a family advisor and say, look, these are my circumstances Can I get some assistance to really, you know, organise myself better? Because she needs that for her and for her daughter.
0: Yes. I didn't know that. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the um, Relationships New South Wales website and Relationships Australia. But so if they call any of those centres. Family Relationship Centres. Family Relationship Centres and they ask to make it a point with a family advisor.
1: Yeah, so we we've, we have six funded across Sydney, but other organisations have them funded too. So you'll find them scattered throughout. Um, and so she just needs to um, look up the Family Relationship Centre and find out what's her local one um, and, uh, and, you know, make an appointment for I don't know how long she's been separated. Sounds like they've got a parenting plan in place um, but you know, these are resources where you can go back and um, say, oh, I need some additional family support.
0: Ah, uh, okay. And so the family relationship centre you find through the Relationships New South Wales website?
1: Oh no, well you can just you could just Google okay. family relationship centres because they're um although an organization like us auspices them, there's a network of them that are funded, they're branded family uh-huh. relationship centres. And um, so you'll find our name against some of them, uh, other organisations' names against others, but the Family
0: Relationship Centre is the name for all of them. Okay, perfect. I'll put that into the show notes. Um, In her initial email, she asked about um, any advice on some people who have given up primary custody and how they cope now as a secondary parent or the other side, mums who've thought about it but have changed their minds and whether they have mum guilt or feel that they have made the wrong decision. Do you have any feedback or experience with any of that?
1: Um, Look, absolutely. And I I think it really is about getting clear um, why it's happened. I've probably spoken to more women who have um, ended up with those arrangements and haven't wanted them to be the case. So it might be that they feel there was a negotiation around parenting that didn't go in their favour and that's why they're in that position rather than um, people who've said, actually, this suits me this is what I wanted. Um, But I certainly have met people that are in that case and I think it's all about um, what position you come from because if you come from a philosophy that there are two parents and it's legitimate for both parents to step in, to step up, um, then you, you come at it from a position of gender equity. Um, if you don't have a, a a sort of a philosophy of life that's about that, then maybe another way to come at it is um, is that, you know, I need to come to peace with why I want this to be the case and um, it may be my job is giant I wouldn't be a, a good carer but it, sometimes you don't have that career reason there might be other reasons it might be um, that you do accept that your children um, are better provided for or just get on better with your with your ex um, because that can happen particularly by the teenagers. your children might have voted with their feet to be at the other house and um, so there's a whole range of factors in this um, and uh, sometimes driven by the parents but sometimes driven by the kids or circumstances Um, certainly if you've had to move out of town to secure housing or for work it may be very practical reasons that have driven it to happen which is your partner still lives close to the school Um, so um, so there's a lot of different there's a lot of different reasons in it and I think the reasons that you've done it and your acceptance of those reasons and your belief that those are good reasons, will see you in good stead. If you feel, um, if you haven't properly resolved those in yourself, then I think it provides sort of cracks in your argument that the guilt and so on um, can fester, you know, can sneak into the cracks and then uh, bring you down later. Um, And remember that, um, you know, parenting can be fluid. You know, over time your children can move between houses. They might come back to you or not. Um, ultimately the measure should be what is the quality of the relationship that I have with my children and do my children know that they're welcome in both houses? Um, I think that's, you know, the best thing to be thinking about.
0: Yeah, I really love that idea. Um, I've got one final question for you, Elizabeth. I just wanted to ask you in terms of impacts on a child, like if we're looking at someone who is three and a half, like this woman's daughter, do you think like I know we've been talking a little bit about gender roles and women have this sort of, you know, nurturing um, disposition. I mean, if the if the child were to live with her father, um, who's currently the secondary parent by the sounds of it, what, I mean, are there any kind of, do you think, psychological impacts on the child not having her mum around as much?
1: Um, look, there's a number of things in it. I think... Um I think the thing is that more women, you know, struggle with the primary carer role than can admit to it probably. Um, I certainly have had women say to me, you know, between you and me, seeing it's in my role, you know, um, I just don't enjoy parenting as much as I thought I would, you know, and this is like an outrage to say such a thing. So they wait for counselling where they can kind of confess this. I think mums and dads um, struggle with it and some people do take to it more than others. That doesn't mean you're a bad parent or you've got nothing to offer. But I think truth be told, you can feel like, well, when I'm separated, if I really own the fact that maybe I'm, you know, I'm not the best person and in fact, it's probably in everyone's interest that I'm doing a bit less. um, You know, I think that's knowing yourself and being brave around it. So I think it is important that women have these conversations without immediately just feeling like you're a non-woman for having such a thought. Um, uh, So I guess that's the first point I want to make. The second point, as I mentioned before, it's all about um, the departures. If you suddenly hand over a child with a history of... A poor relationship the, the child can feel um, bad you know ripped away from you wrenched away from you I think if the bad if the child feels bad for what happened and to blame for what happened and punished um, and and the child's handed over in anger or rea- in a reactionary way then then the outcome for any child whatever age is not going to be great at three and a half, Um, it's very much about considering who has been the primary caregiver. Now, if this person, um, just say, as is commonly the case for women, perhaps she was at home with the child before the separation. Um, You know, some women have just gone back to work um, after a separation. So it may be that the tantrum is purely developmental. It could also be a reaction to change circumstances. So um, so what... would mean is um, maybe the child's already experiencing a loss of the parent to work or a loss of the parent to to childcare and then a handover to dad could be another another loss. Um, In which case, yes, that can all fuel a child's behaviour. The, The trouble is when you're three, you really parents often feel bad that it's the separation causing the behavior. And yes, that could be a component, but sometimes it might've happened anyway. You you actually can never know. So it's worth keeping an open mind. Um, I do think if um, the child, if you really analyze it and the mother says, look, truth be told, although I'm struggling, I think it is true that my daughter kind of has more of an allegiance to me or does know me better or you know, does cling to me more, then I think trying to see that through before increasing the time could be useful. That said, um, there's nothing wrong with adding another day or two or, you know, whatever it might be. If, yeah. if the child's already going to dad's, an extra day or two may not make any particular difference. Um, I do think for small children, being away for a long period of time uh, can be more upsetting to them. Sometimes, you know, three nights in a row and coming back could be helpful. As I say, for some parents, for some children, that's very disruptive. But I think you've just got to be a bit creative and maybe add on some extra time. Uh, Check, is it true that the... Because if the child, once they get over to the dad's house, is happy and the evidence is they're sleeping and getting on with that relationship then well and good, but if the child spends a lot of time crying for their mother, um, then there's work that needs to be done in both households to make that child feel more settled. So, you know, it's not easy for me to answer in a a definite way. Um, It's true enough that young children, um, they often do bond and they need to be a little bit older to handle transitions, but, um, you know, I've known children that have handled it perfectly fine, as I say.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I've just thought of one more question. Um, She mentioned about her daughter's father earning a lot more money than she does. And I just, yeah. I struggle to understand that to be a reason. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like, you know, of course, money helps and you can buy things for the child, but do kids really care about how much money you make?
1: Look, I think it's all about um stability. I would read that, that, um, because she didn't add that to he can buy her more things. I think she's saying I've had to move house a lot because I don't even have stable housing and he, you know, I I see money as a sign of stability. So it could well be that he's already got his home, he's bought something, he's got a room set up for her. You know, she just might feel like um, he's better placed and that if he needed to work back he could pay for childcare and babysitting in a way that she's rushing to get home because she can't afford um, extra hours of childcare. Like, So money means many things just in terms of how desperate you feel and how much you're living hand-to-mouth. Yeah. Um, so it may not be that he's being the classic Santa Claus um, dad. It may be that that he's just got a more stable life because of that. And and you're right, that has to be unpacked. But if, if she's actually walking around worried how to put food on the table... Um, you know, it's very hard to feel like a good parent when you're struggling to even provide for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't mean she should throw in the towel, um, but it might mean she throws in the towel, you know. I I think we, we have to be open to her experience and get her the support that she needs to really look at those things and maybe she's very isolated and trying to do it alone. She doesn't have much family support. I mean, single parenting is... Is really hard and I I work a lot with single parents who you know don't even have money for a babysitter to see a girlfriend Um, and so a lot of the things that maybe others would take for granted as a way to freshen up feel better about yourself single mums you know often have nothing you know and um, so I, I think her getting some professional support to test those options first and then really evaluate the two households from that position would be a great thing. In the meantime, if she really is saying, look, I am depressed and anxious and I need someone to hear that and I'm going under, then um, we have to take that very seriously and she should feel no guilt and no worry about saying to her ex, look, temporarily, I do need you to have some extra days um, because I'm struggling. That's actually okay to do too.
0: Yeah. Oh, Elizabeth! Thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate your insight on this topic. Yeah, it's been amazing, and I've absolutely loved chatting with you about it. So, thank you so much.
1: Well, it's a pleasure. It's um, you've got so many big issues to canvas, and it's um, it's terrific to open up these conversations. Um, because, as you say, single parenting is um, is hard. Other people don't get it, and women can get very isolated and very um, very lonely and very overwhelmed and that and that's normal and needs to be discussed
0: yeah there's no yeah. black and white answers no. is there it's hard to know as well without even knowing the person and exactly what's going on so but no I think that was amazing and I really appreciate you talk, talking with me about it no problem happy to help thanks bye okay bye Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Guys, if you want to get in touch with Relationships New South Wales, check out the website, relationshipsnewsouthwales.org.au. I will put that link in the show notes. They also have a client services support line, which is one 857 886 And they have a Facebook page too, so I will put all those links in the show notes. I really loved talking to Elizabeth about that. And I think she just had some amazing advice. Again, to the person who sent this in, I just want to say, I think you're amazing and um, good on you for writing to me and saying something that, you know, I think a lot of people probably are too afraid to say out loud. And I really feel for you. I really do. And I just want to say that, you know, I can totally relate to what you're saying. And I had moments when my daughter was young, like... I mean, it used to happen to me when she was sort of between one and a half and maybe three and it was just really tough and it was really challenging and I'd have these moments where I'd think, this is so unfair, like why do I have to do this? Parenting is so hard and, you know, her dad just gets to live on the other side of Australia and just carry on living a normal life, you know, he doesn't have to deal with all this shit. Like, And it was just really challenging for me and I just, I you know, and I think, you know, what we're thinking I mean, maybe it's a bit different because I definitely wasn't kind of thinking about it ongoingly for 12 months, but I definitely had these moments where I just thought, this is too hard. I don't want to do it anymore. Parenting is hard. And, um, you know, I know you're not alone because I've also met a lot of women who say to me that if they knew that this would be their life, they wouldn't have kids. They wouldn't have had their kids. And I just I just want you to know that maybe you're feeling a lot of mum guilt, but you're not alone. Um, I really loved what Elizabeth said about this whole gender role idea that we have in our heads, like, and maybe that can help your decision and your mum guilt as well, like not kind of focusing on what you think a mum should be doing and what a dad should be doing, you know. Um, I also really loved her advice on maybe making a temporary change or just swaying it, you know, the other way um, a little bit towards your daughter's dad for a little while and just getting that support. Um, And I really absolutely think it would be worthwhile to go and speak to someone, definitely maybe one of these family advisors uh, at a family relationship centre. Or even speaking to a a psychologist from Relationships New South Wales or Relationships Australia, depending on where you are. Or, you know, just if you're not in Australia, someone that can help you. And I mean, in Australia, we have this system where you can go to a GP, you can get 12 sessions with a psychologist that are covered. I think this is definitely a big decision. And I think, you know, talking it through with someone would be so helpful. And even talking through each of those points, you know, the stability for your daughter, all the reasons that you mentioned, like really nutting each one out, you know, the support. And is there anything that you can do for each point to make it better for you? So I would be looking at the email you sent me um, and, you know, making a comprehensive list on all these reasons and if you can address any of them and I really liked as well what Elizabeth said about maybe waiting until you come out of this period of the difficult behavior but I mean only you can know and at the same time if you do feel like you do have actual anxiety or depression like something needs to be sorted out um so yeah I think you should definitely go and speak to someone and I really feel for you and I would love for you to let me know how you go and um yeah, I'm just sending you lots of love and strength and support. And, um, I'm sure you'll know what to do and, um, you know, and I hope you feel comfortable with your decision, but also like remember what Elizabeth said about things being fluid at the end, like, don't think that the decision that you make now has to be the decision that you, you know, have to live with for the next 15 years. So I think if you do have a good relationship with your ex, maybe you can talk to him and figure out some sort of a solution, even if it's temporary, um, to give yourself a bit of a break. Yeah. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've absolutely loved chatting with you as always. If you want to connect with me, you can send me an email, julia at com. You can also check out my website, which is www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com. And on the website, on the homepage, there is a link to join the Single Mother Survival Guide support forum. You can also book in a 30-minute complimentary clarity call if you want to do some one-on-one mentoring with me. And as always, if you have enjoyed this podcast, I would love for you to rate it or even write an iTunes review. That would be incredible. It won't take long at all, and I would so appreciate it. You can also connect with me on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I'll put those links in the show notes as well, or just search for Single Mother Survival Guide. That is it from me. Have an amazing week. Enjoy this last week of uh, peace and quiet if you have kids at school. (laughs) And we've got to brace ourselves for next week, ladies. Holy moly. Anyway, um, have an amazing week and I'll see you next week. Okay, bye for now.